Welcome. This is Andrew Schechter, host of Politically Incorrect Podcast on EA Truth Radio, brought to you by Eternal Affairs Media every Thursday night. Tonight, we have a very special return guest that you'll hopefully uh, recognize right away, and we have some great updates for you. I will stop for a moment and have a prayer. Heavenly Father, bow our heads, Heavenly Father. We pray for our uh, all those people in need. We have great need in this country. We have a lot of people who are suffering. Uh, there's so many people indeed in need of food, in need of medical attention, people who are being ignored. We need your help, oh gracious God, and we pray that you will intervene and make them well again and make their lives great. In your great glory, we, we, we know you will, will assist those in need. We pray in your heavenly name. Amen. And without further ado, we will introduce our great guest, um, uh, Hope Schachter. It's, it's very tough for me with my last name being Schachter. It's very hard to say. Hope Schachter. There you go. And talking about her daughter, Autumn Shaw. She, I guess she's what five years old now. She was four the last time we spoke. I think she's five now. Am I correct? And why don't you tell us a little bit of the story? Maybe you can uh, give us a five cent version and then the update if you could. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, actually, she is. She's still four. So she was. She had just turned four when this all okay. started a few months ago. So she was. She was still almost like a three-year-old. Any mother knows. So, um, so yeah, it's it was a lot for such a little girl. So you know, our story is a story of medical kidnapping, um, where. Um, Autumn had uh, presented with uh, an E. coli infection, which her brother had actually had. He just had diarrhea, her toddler brother, um, a few days before she did. Um, and unfortunately, her uh, progression of the infection um, changed rapidly uh, when we brought her um, to the emergency room. Now, she'd gone to urgent care a couple of times and been dismissed. And then we got transferred to a teaching hospital where it just became an absolute cascade of interventions that uh, we as her parents were not able to um, kind of assert our rights uh, in, in the decision-making. We tried as much as possible and eventually had um, Child Protective Services called on us, um, uh, particularly once they had administered a medication without my consent. So um, I believe last time when we left off, Autumn may have still been on the ventilator or uh, was about to be um, extubated or recently extubated. So um, uh, we did wind up, uh, you know, I think they, I had shared at the time that they sort of set her up for failure with extubation, right? They um, we're having trouble with all these sedatives and, um, she, you know, like me, she doesn't, uh, she has a high tolerance, so she doesn't respond well to them. Uh, but they kept bolusing her with morphine, um, after she'd responded poorly to fentanyl. Um, and they kept telling me that they'd have to give her Adderax cause she was having thrashing. She was, you know, in the wrist restraints, they had to have a babysitter cause the nurses weren't comfortable. Um, so it was like this, you know, they pushed antipsychotics uh, that night because of her poor response to the morphine. Like it was just like a setup to fail if you're going to try to have a child breathe on their own when they've been, you know, inundated with these heavy drugs. Um, and so uh, we weren't sure if it was going to be one of those things like, well, we tried, um, but uh, she was able to breathe on her own. And um, they eventually did move her to BiPAP. Um, and uh, they were telling us that she was going to need to be um, on BiPAP for a week, which often kids have to be 
on sedatives still. And so I thought, okay, are they going to go backtrack again and try and intubate her again? Um, and, uh, you know, at that point, we were connected um, through, I think it was all, all kind of stemming from, you know, with remnant nursing, how many connections they led us through, I think someone from maybe Children's Health Defense, who um, worked with the Free Now Foundation, a doctor who does home health care. Um, and he actually even does ventilators at home. So he was he, he's a prior ICU doctor and he knows that people heal at home and that these um, hostage situations, um, you know, happen often with children. And so um, he does, he does rescues. Um, and uh, at that point we requested that Autumn's records be sent to him. And uh, it was kind of incredible that they're telling me that she's going to require a BiPAP for a week. I'm trying to get her off these sedatives because I know she'll actually breathe better without the sedatives, but they want her with this huge suction on her face. So then she has to have the sedatives. It's just like this, you know, circle. Um, and so uh, when we said, when we requested her records be sent, all of a sudden within 24 hours, they moved her from BiPAP to CPAP to high flow to nothing in 24 hours. All of a sudden she can breathe on her own. Um, and of course, that's at my you know insistence that we be weaning down the sedatives, obviously in a safe way. I don't want her to be harmed because um, these are dangerous uh, medications. Um, and so then they kind of pull a little switcheroo and they move her off the ICU uh, and they want her back on the nephrology floor, the, the general care floor. And they're saying um, that now she has chronic kidney disease. So now we need to manage her kidneys. Um, and so it felt like, okay, we had this ICU doctor who was also a pulmonologist who could do home health care. Um, and now they're trying to say, well, now it's not about that. Now it's not about, you know, her breathing ability. Now it's back to the kidneys. Um, and so, um, you know, what they wanted to do to manage her kidneys was these diuretics. Now we, we had to comply with these diuretics with, uh, child protective services. And so, um, you know, we're, we're kind of doing as, as they're telling us we have to do, um, and then she is, you know, still urinating. So while she has chronic kidney disease, technically she can be managed at home, like there are at home dialysis, uh, um, you know, options to do, especially with a home healthcare doctor. So this doctor is still willing, he's worked in the ICU, he works with, you know, um, with kidneys as well, although that may not be his specialty. Um, the more she is continuing to urinate, she's not backtracking, which was my fear, right? Is that the, that the initial um, response to these medications was that her kidneys shut down. And that was always my fear is that they're going to start to shut down again. And they, she's still urinating. So they're still functioning. Um, and, uh, things like creatinine are going down and they have her on this special kidney diet and whatnot. And she has not, you know, eaten, um, in, in weeks, like they had a feeding tube at one point, um, the, an NG tube that they put in her nose. And then, um, you know, when, uh, she had the BiPAP on, I thought, you know, she had torn out the feeding tube and I had asked for IV nutrients and they tried to, at first they pushed back and then they said, okay, we'll do IV nutrients. And then, um, you know, once she's off the, off the, um, ventilator, they're telling me that, uh, you know, I noticed she wasn't getting the IV nutrients. And I said, why not? And they said, actually, we're not going to give her anything until you put the NG tube back in. So they're, they're building this case against me as though they're not feeding my child because they're saying, 
that I'm saying that she shouldn't be fed the way that they want to feed her. But I was actually only trying to negotiate to get her the IV so that she would be more compliant with all these things that they're trying to do. Right. Cause even BiPAP to CPAP to high flow, like it's a big change on her face, the things that they're putting on her face. So, um, anyway, so once we're just kind of managing her kidneys, we start to say, you know, great, we've got this home healthcare doctor, like, like, let's start getting, again, getting her records sent, um, and look at home healthcare options. And then they changed their tune again. And they said, well, her weight is not um, acceptable. She has to stay in the hospital because of her weight. Um, and so that could be forever. Like uh, Autumn is uh, naturally very uh, thin and tall like I am. And um, obviously she hasn't eaten in five weeks. Now a home healthcare doctor can manage her weight, but they keep playing chess with how they need to keep her. And I'm sure financially, right? Like this is, you know, I know the ICU is like $10,000 a day, but even just their general care, um, you know, we were, we're told is like, you know, at least six grand a day. Um, and so um, one of the last days I'm working with, you know, this doctor to try and get her out. Um, and, uh, one of the last days when they're talking about her weight, like my husband is literally like shaking because they just keep moving the dial about what it is that they need to keep her for. And, um, the nutritionist comes in and they want to give her a shake that night, like a, in her, the NG tube that they've required to put back in. Now, again, these things are all torture to a four-year-old, right? Like she has to be restrained. She has to be drugged to get it put in. Um, and so, um, they bring in this shake that is by this company that of course they're like, Oh, it's organic. We thought you might like it. And, but they have a, a kidney friendly formula and this one is not the kidney formula. And I said, this contains all the things you've been telling me to avoid for her kidneys. Why would we give this to her? And they send the doctor in um, and the doctor is saying, well, this is what the nutritionist is requiring. And I'm saying, well, when I order food to the room, they don't let me order foods that contain what, what's in this shake. So I'm really uncomfortable and I want it documented that I'm uncomfortable. And they're repeating to me, we appreciate your concern, but this is what our recommendations are. And so I, have no choice. Um, she needs food. Now they're saying they have to keep her for weight. So they give her the shake. And the next morning I wake up and I look at the feeding tube and there's like a ton of shake in it. And I said, well, how, like it's supposed to run all night. Like, did you refill it? And she said, oh yeah, she's had at least three cartons so far. And so I'm like, this is not kidney friendly formula. And when the doctors come in, I said, you know, look at how much she has had of this. And they said, oops, oh, she was only supposed to have one. And then the rest of the liquids were actually supposed to be water. So now they could potentially, her kidney function could go down because she's had all these things she's not supposed to have. And then they can keep her again for the kidney decline. So we're waiting on the labs. And at that time, um, you know, uh, we're both just really fearing how long they're going to keep our child hostage. And the doctor, the home health care doctor, um, he uh, tells us that we should get our insurance involved um, and file a grievance with insurance, not just with the hospital. Because when I threatened the hospital last time about a grievance with them, that's when they called CPS. And so um, I did call my insurance and I told them that um, malpractice had occurred. There were things we didn't consent to that had been administered to our daughter. Um, we didn't you know, consent to certain procedures like her being put on a ventilator to begin with. And, um, and so 
you know, we don't want to incur those charges uh, if we believe that malpractice has occurred. And they said that um, given that she qualifies for a lower level of care um, and we have a home health care doctor who's willing to see her, that we should file a grievance. Otherwise, you know, we could incur the costs ourselves if we're, you know, saying that these things shouldn't be um shouldn't be occurring for her care like that they're that they're medically unnecessary at this point or even detrimental to her health that they could cause further costs for the insurance company and um i had she told me i'm going to be putting it in the notes that i've told you you have to file a grievance within 24 hours and um i let the hospital know like that this is what they're telling me um and at that point, they had the only thing that they're telling me they've received insurance from the hospital is that she was admitted, not that she had received all these medications, that she'd been um, on dialysis, that she'd been on a ventilator. The insurance is telling me they they didn't know any of that at that point. So I guess they wait until maybe the very end to get like approval. I'm not sure. Um, you know, now I've come to understand that there's a lot of fraud that has occurred um, with Lucille Packard. And so uh it wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of how, how they manage things. Um, but uh, with it, we let people know that, you know, we filed the grievance. I'm sorry. We, our insurance is telling us we have to do this. Like we can't afford your, you know, six to $10,000 a day out of pocket. And so if you're not going to release us, like the, I, I don't know who's going to pay for the care. And uh, the next morning they let us go home. So um <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, very emotional to look back on. Um, they had to pull Autumn's pick line. They tried to um, sedate her to do pull the line, the NG tube and the and the line. Um, they wanted to actually extend the NG tube, so she was sent home with an NG tube to try to manage her fluids and and um, if we needed shakes, which at that time she was eating just fine. They also um, tried to say that we couldn't remove the NG tube because hers they did a swallow study and she didn't have like a perfect swallow but then the home health care doctor said it's not an accurate reading for a swallow study if she has the ng tubing because the tube prevents the closure so it's just all these things that they were doing that could have kept us kept us there um that you know we were thankful that we had at least someone advising us from the outside during this whole process um, you know, not the whole process, but, you know, once we started with, with, um, you know, getting the, the blood donations from pure blood registry and, and blessed by his blood and then remnant nursing for their medical advocacy. So, um, you know, when they sedated her, of course she couldn't be properly sedated. So my husband is like, you know, holding her, I'm holding her. We have three nurses pulling out her pick line, taking off her IVs. Um, and she is just screaming and thrashing. And I think because of all the trauma of that, when we were leaving the hospital, I don't think it really hit her. Um, we live close to, I think it's about an hour and 20 minutes away. And when we pulled up to our driveway, um, I still get chills because Autumn looked at me and said, wait, we're going home. Um, even though we'd been in the car saying like, we're leaving, like my husband and I are crying as we drive away. Um, and so, you know, once Autumn was home, she was she was eating. We were managing her fluids for a bit with the home healthcare doctor through the NG tube to make sure she was able to get enough enough fluids to support the kidney function that she did have. Um, and since then, you know, we have been, uh, you know, trying to get the legal resources that we we need to 
um, pursue, you know, justice for Autumn because, um, you know, in addition, uh, when we requested her records about a week after we left, um, we had told them we do not want to be in Lucille Packard's care anymore. And uh, they were calling and trying to get, you know, her, what are her blood pressure readings, which we were, we were providing those to this home healthcare doctor. Um, we don't want to give you that information anymore. If you want, you can call the home healthcare doctor, which we did, you know, give them permission to speak to him. Um, but in the records that we got, um, a week after at least, they were still contacting Child Protective Services, saying that uh, they did not have the readings for Autumn's blood pressure, that they don't know that we are, you know, following through on recommendations other than that um, they were given the contact information of our home health care doctor, but they are still reaching out to Lucille Packard. Um, uh, or to Child Protective, Lucille Packard is still reaching out to Child Protective Services. So, um, you know, we are not in their care anymore, and yet they are still coming after us, it feels like. You know, they are still um, trying to, like, own our child, um, even though we have transferred medical care. She is no longer in their care. Um, and I do believe that, you know, that is all a part of that um uh, you know, stance of trying to deem us unfit in order to cover for their malpractice. Now, later we were connected with a um, nephrologist who um, has worked with other medical kidnapping um, cases. And he told me uh, that uh, he looked up um, the, uh, the, the up to date, I guess it's a website called up to date for um, the protocol for childhood HUS and the diuretics that Lucille Packard used are nowhere on there. In addition, um, Free Now Foundation, I spoke with a journalist there who was interested in our story, who um, researched Bumex, which was a part of uh, a few of the podcasts that I, I've done. I've mentioned that Bumex was uh, reiterated to me as an alternative to the Lasix. And Bumex is not um, approved for pediatric use. And in addition, it is 40 to 50 times more potent than Lasix. And yet they kept telling me, um, you know, you can do Lasix or Bumex. And because I saw the original response so poorly to Lasix, um, and they had put her on Bumex after her kidneys had failed when she was on the drip of diuretics um, leading up to her dialysis, uh, you know, I, I felt pressured to either do the one that I saw the immediate kidney decline or to do the Bumex, which occurred after her kidneys had already failed. And so we had chosen Bumex because it was reiterated to us that it was, it was the equivalent uh, when actually um, it is not safe for a four-year-old. Uh, it's not approved for anyone any, under 18. Um, so, you know, things like this keep coming out, uh, like the option with the nephrologist for peritoneal dialysis is he told me it's um, it's actually a tube that runs through the stomach using saline uh, solution, um, far less invasive. That whole um, procedure that was malfunctioning on Autumn's neck, where it was, you know, I'm restraining her and it's leaking blood all the time, and it's, you know, we're losing transfusion blood and her dialysis isn't going properly. All of that could have been avoided, and um, you know, I I do believe, which it's been you know reiterated to us, that it was probably a means for these students to practice a more invasive procedure on my four year old rather than giving me the easy alternative of a, a tube full of saline for her stomach that removes any toxins from her kidneys. So um, you know, we feel that there is you know 
there's no real justice for Autumn. Um, but we obviously want to seek this um, for her care going forward because her kidney, her kidneys are improving, but there is still lingering, um, you know, uh, uh, she's outside of normal range, technically, she's outside of normal range, and, and they could get better, or they could, you know, decline at some point, we just don't know. Um, we, that'll be a, a process of her growth. Um, and then in addition, also seeking justice is to prevent this from happening to other people, um, because they steamrolled us. And I think one of the most interesting things is that as we were walking out of the hospital room, right, we, we feel like we're fleeing. And Child Protective Services knocks on the door next door and says, CPS. So obviously, we are not the only ones this happened to. There was another family that told us that the people next to them had CPS called on them in the ICU. So this is a means of getting parents out of the way so that they don't have to receive consent. So that's where we stand now. Um, but, uh, you know, Autumn is, um, you know, obviously healing at home. Now, one of the things that I think every mother knows is after a child goes through something like this, it will be, you know, I'm also a therapist, but it will be a part of her life story. The, the idea of consent and, and her body, um, you know, when, when we were getting ready to leave the, um, I think it was like the physical therapist and the occupational therapist, and they all come in in the hazmat suits and their faces are covered. And they're saying to me, she's such a good little girl. Whenever we ask if we can do something, she always nods her head. Yes. And I said, well, that's because you either restrain her and do it anyway, or you medicate her and do it anyway. So she, she knows she can't say no. And so at home, we've tried to offer her lots of choices. Um, you know, let her feel some agency and whatever it is that's happening. But even just last week, you know, as a mom, I know that, you know, when a child has a meltdown, it's rarely about whatever it is they're crying about. Um, you know, it's the, it's always the straw that breaks the camel's back with a, with a small child, but, um, it was something like a sippy cup and in the kitchen, Autumn is wailing and she's crying, mama, get me out of here. And it's just her and I in the kitchen. And I know that that is just a lingering in her psyche of, of everything that took place, um, at Lucille Packard. And, and I just don't want that to happen to, to other families, if we can just continue to speak out about it and then to seek whatever legal recourse we can. Well, I, I'm, that was perfect. You actually, you, you covered all the topics in our, and those who missed the first part, uh, when it is, it's still out there if you want to, you want to listen to it. Uh, but you did cover very well what was going on and what we want, if you can come on back once you've resolved some of those legal actions and, and let us know how it went out. For my audience, I'm going to mention a few things. One of the main reasons we've got you on today and had you on the last time is the medical industry and the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry are two of the most corrupt organizations in the entire world. I mean, and, and not just in the United States and all over. Uh, I've been been a, par a party to several instances myself, and I will let you know, don't hesitate to fight it. I guarantee you, if you take a medical bill from a hospital, 
and you take that to court, I've done so three times, they can never, ever prove the charges or the procedures that were done because their records are so bad. I have won three times in a row without even having an attorney present. So just don't be afraid to fight it. In the worst case scenario, you lose the battle. But, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing you say that because um, they did send us notice, our insurance company, because of the grievance we filed that uh, Lucille Packard charged $2.2 million for Autumn's medical kidnapping. And, um, you know, we've read some articles that are trying to expose that Lucille Packard, um, you know, when when you bring up these charges, and you want to see the breakdown, that it's almost never justified. So there, there have been cases like this. And so I'm not surprised by what by what you're sharing. Right. And if you if and the more procedures they do, and the longer those procedures take, the more chance the, the less chance there is that they're going to be able to prove those charges. And the judge will look at them and just say, so, forget it. You're not going to do it. No matter how much money it's for, they're going to say, forget it. They'll get they'll take what they can and, and they'll run with it. But yet they, yes. they prey on the young, the children, because like you say, they, they can kidnap them and they pray with the senior citizens, the elderly, particularly the ones that have no one to, to care for or look after them. Um, so you got to be very careful and it's just so important we want to know how you make out with that as well uh, but anyway in, in in closing would you would you like to give any encouragement to other people out there having this problem or or in, or anything you might want to want to close up with today i hope no i mean just along those same lines like uh you know we uh struggled to find support for for a, a child like there were um organizations that would help adults but but not children and when we asked at lisa packard it was very fascinating like no one had children my husband kept saying that nobody here seems to actually have children and he would say what made you decide to work with children and their response was always creepy it was always you know um well adults are always so grumpy they just tell you no so it was it was a lot about compliance and so i think the more you can um kind of prepare ahead of time you know we uh we were lucky to find a medical advocacy group like remnant nursing which i know they offer like monthly subscriptions for if you need them so do a lot of these uh blood donation organizations so that you can get people that you feel comfortable with um you can a lot of the time you can you know kind of connect with these people i don't want to say interview like you know you're but but you are you're sharing body fluids with someone and so i think yeah the more you can try to prepare for this ahead of time um the better uh because you know you hear these horror stories but you really never think you're going to be in it like like i remember just hearing you know a few stories um um, that really stuck with me and then and then not thinking that that would ever be my reality. So I do think that the more plugged in people can get ahead of time for their loved ones, but especially if you have um, children or or elderly um, loved ones, that that's that's actually really crucial. So, yeah. And, and keep in mind also working with these organizations and I, we, we recently lost our local hospital, which is really sad. It was a mm-hmm. great little hospital. More and more hospitals are closing because of the inherent cost of the operations, primarily the cost of the staffing for the hospitals and the and the medical they chart the fees that are charged, the governmental fees to and, and the and the fees to process uh, payments is just so horrendous that a lot of these hospitals are becoming very corrupt and just saying, look, we we got in order to stay open, we've got to do whatever it takes. And they're pressuring these doctors and these medical clinics. We had a clinic system that the same thing, they demanded a certain percentage out of the clinic. And, uh, you know, people should come first. It's, it's the problem and, and something needs to be fixed, but don't, don't let your, don't let it go on and don't let, especially a child that is, it's just, it's a terrible thing. I'm glad you're really pushing for that hope. And I hope you get, you, you get some, 
uh, if you get some justice for it, you know, legal justice, maybe you get some kind of settlement from them even possibly. Yeah. Uh, I would really pray that, you know, that if God puts you in that path and steers you in the right direction, because you really deserve that. And you're, you're poor child. I feel so bad with, you know, five kids of my own. And I, I know what it's like. I had one that was, you know, uh, that had some special needs and, and, and the costs are just horrendous. They're, they're absolutely horrible to begin with and then to be burdened by something that you absolutely don't need. So we do want you back when you have some more information and yes. let us know what happens legally too and, 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 how, and how your child's doing. Yeah. So with, with thank that, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming back. Like I said, you're always welcome back. Just let us know. And uh, if anything comes up in the interim that we should know about or our listeners should know about, please let us know as well, okay? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really grateful for you sharing Autumn's story. All right. Well, God bless you, and good luck with everything. I'm going to um, talk to you in a moment, but I'm going to, I'm going to say good night and, 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 and God's blessings with you. And anybody from our listeners, please pray for this, uh, this young child and, and, and her mother that, that are in such a, such a crazy situation. And everybody, have a good night, and thanks for, for taking the time to listen.